dream is a wish your heart makes. You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since before we had internet in our homes, now guides on your nostalgic tour of Disney history, one magical film at a time. I'm Eddie Ferguson. And I'm J.B. Wagner. And on today's episode, we're glad we didn't go to certain parts of Mexico as we review the three caballeros. So fasten that safety restraint and pull up on the yellow strap. It's time to open the vault. Cue that Disneyous sound effect. Again, Eddie... The floor is yours if you want to introduce this, because (laughs) I have spent very little time in Latin America, very little experience with anything with this. um, The only setup I will give you is this is another one of the propaganda films as America Mm -hmm. tried to make sure that Latin America didn't become a Nazi in like good stronghold during World War Two. But Eddie, tell us more about this. Uh, This is another one of those kind of like series of vignettes. So there's no really, you know, overarching narrative. Kind of the the thread that loosely ties everything together is Donald receives this box of gifts. um, And as he opens them, it kind of sets off this, you know, the the next set of of adventures. Uh, The first gift, of course, is a projector and screen so he can watch some of these different adventures or whatnot. So we just kind of tick through uh, all of these different um, vignettes. Uh, The first one is entitled The Cold-Blooded Penguin. That starts off uh, all the way down in Antarctica or the South Pole as he decides to leave his home for warmer climates and he navigates along the coasts uh, of South America, going to places like Chile and Lima, the capital of Peru, and then of course to Quito and Ecuador, and then landing and visiting in the Galapagos Islands. And all of the... Uh, cartoon inventive ways that a penguin would travel said different uh, said, said distance is that a, love, a, a decent way of of yeah yeah i love when he puts the um hot water jugs on his feet and he's just standing there looking at his map and then he sinks straight through the ice that's one of my favorite little gags and it's uh i felt like the 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 penguin one is just I mean, there's very little cultural stuff. I mean, there's a little bit. I mean, he visits the visits the different places and whatnot. But for the most part, this one is the animators are just having fun. It's just kind of like, what if we had a penguin who did this and then that and then this and then that? And you just kind of have these animators just having fun with that. Do you feel like that's a proper motivation? It kind of threw me off because I was like, what does this have to do with? Mm hmm. Uh, with South America and you, they kind of play into that when they kind of change narrators. Um, they use uh, the voice of the guy who voices the original Winnie the Pooh and cough from the snake and jungle book, that very iconic kind of almost sad Sterling voice. Holloway. Yes. When they go to, when they go to Antarctica and then they kind of like slowly kind of show him. Is him trying to get uh, to South America. Did it make you want to watch Happy Feet? I know that's a Still personal no. favorite of yours. Still no. Uh, or Surf's Up? Surf's Up. Neither of which I think La- I have actually watched. Really? Nope. There's a lot. I mean, and then you go to the Penguins of Madagascar. I mean, there's a well, lot of animated penguins. Uh, then you get the Penguins and Mary Poppins. No, I mean, penguins just lend themselves to be animated. Didn't um, Happy Feet win like an Academy right? Award or something? Or is nominated something for an like Academy that. Award? Yeah, I mean, it something had Robin, Robin Williams was in it. Um, Elijah Wood. Yeah, it, it pulled in quite the star-studded cast. But So that's how this opens. And then we go on to the Flying Gauchito which involves um, a flying donkey. Is this a donkey from Pinocchio? Exactly. That was the thought that I had. I'm like, 
did one of the boys escape Pleasure Island and yeah. make his way down to Uruguay? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a very intriguing little segment. I don't know what all to say on this one. We really don't have that much to say. It's literally just vignette after vignette yeah. after vignette. Uh, the, right. the, the video he's watching is called Aves Rayas. Right? Does that sound sound mm-hmm. sound something like that? it's called Strange Birds or so Rare Birds? Yeah, cool. they said Strange Birds. Like they, there was a little they, they yeah, called so it that, or they the, had like words or something. Yeah, the in Spanish there is no like strange or rare is pretty much the the same word. Well, then right. that makes more sense because that's it was less strange than it was interesting birds. Although I don't know how a flying donkey counts. In all of this, it, but I yeah, guess it, yeah. I guess, is I guess that. it is, is still a strange bird. Uh, yeah. So Pablo the penguin, he definitely stands out the little, I could never understand what they were saying when they called him this, but the, the, like the little bird that was like pop around everywhere and then just like make a, like, like the pop, 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 all over the place. Like he's like, what throughout. they called him. I couldn't figure it out either. Like, what are they actually calling this bird? Because it was like it, it, it. They they said the name of the bird comes from like the sound that it makes. That's from like the pump up 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 bumper bird. Because I still don't know what it's called, but it's like an iconic bird from this um from this movie. Like that's one of the memorable moments or characters from from this thing. But yeah, it's just one random thing after another after another. I will say that when they go to the whole bird section in particular cuz you're like am I watching a bird documentary that has been animated? It kind animated? of feels like that, right? Yeah. And then oh no, there's a flying donkey. Okay, there's this is taking Is he a bird? A is he a bird too? Term. No one knows. No one knows. And then wanna... and then it goes and then it just goes into Bayou Bayou, Bayou, and then that's all kind of beautiful. Bahia. And Bahia. That's I wrote down the yeah, pronunciation so, and I did horrible with it. Bahia. Bahia. The well, you have Jose come back. So uh in our last episode, oh, saludos, we amigos. saludos yeah. amigos. And that was when we were introduced to the Jose the Parrot from Brazil. And he comes back in this and luckily stays in the movie all the way to the end. You know, he takes him a while to to pop in here but he's finally there and we get a very um yeah it's kind of like a a, a romantic view of this brazilian state you have a famous brazilian singer aurora miranda um who is featured in this as she as she sings and later gives donald a kiss well i guess the singer portrays the the character and all that doing all that so so yes, you have a return to Brazil, very similar to what we saw in Saludos Amigos. I'm not going to belabor it there. For me, what makes the Three Caballeros stand out is we get Mexico, right? Uh, we didn't touch Mexico in Saludos Amigos, so finally we move all the way up uh, to Mexico, where I lived for a number of years. You visited me while I yeah. was there. We had grand Mexican adventures. And this is where we are introduced to Panchito, um, who's the rooster. I had to just say, like, as the three line up, I was like, this is definitely Disney of the past. There's no way we would have one animated creature smoking a cigar while the other animated creature is shooting off revolvers. It's like guns and smoking. Um, So... The what was wonderful about this is you got um, some yeah wonderful little introductions into uh, Mexican culture, a little bit of Christmas there. It's the beginning of the Christmas season now that we're post Thanksgiving, and uh, this movie uh, has a nice little section in there of the Las Posadas, which is the Mexican tradition of the nine nights before Christmas. You go around the neighborhood and. You ask to be let into the houses and people say there's no posada or there's no room or no inn, no shelter. And uh, but there's usually a lot of sweet treats, a lot of punch and sweetbreads and different things like that that are given out. Um, yeah, posadas. It's good. You, it's like a think progressive dinner. That would probably be the the best way to 
to think and and to go through all that. Like uh, politically progressive? Uh, course, is that what you're is that what you're talking about? No. no. Don't you remember the progressive dinners? I feel like we the, our parents did these. Like our that parents was called the junk food junket, where, Eddie. No, that was for us. Yes, that was the junk food junket where we would be driven from one fast food place to the other. We're gonna get fries here. Then we're gonna get a burger here. <laughs> yes. But I remember my parents doing that where, okay, we would all drive over to this person's house for an appetizer and then this person's house for an entree and this person's house for a dessert or whatever. But I don't know. That was different times. That was the 90s. You know, the 90s. Oh, the 90s. Then we get this um, tour of Mexico on the magical sarape, the, the, the Mexican blanket as they are flown around. And we get Donald chasing women from the sky and then, you know, running after them from on the beaches of of Acapulco. Yeah, there's. Yeah, I don't know how to uh, to again, something that would never be made today, never be made today. Um, Just Donald full on womanizing. I would also like it was a it was very odd, like wherever is there a beach full of just women that is there was a not strange. a dude on that beach yes i will say though here we get one of the first real integrations of live action and yeah and animation and and there's a couple of sequences in there that are i mean it's weird what's going on don't get me wrong but just the interaction of live action and animation. Are you tracking with me? It's very cool. It's like, wow, okay, that's pretty advanced to see how they've they've pulled this all off. And this is a good, yes. you know, decade prior to to Mary Poppins coming out. Yeah, so they kind of do it in two different ways. Um, at first, they've got what is a little bit more obvious, and maybe that's because we're watching this in HD, and back in the day, they wouldn't have watching it at that high resolution. Um, but uh, the lady's walking in live and they've like projected the cartoon kind of behind her to make it kind of look like they're both in the same spot. That does that, that for me was a little more obvious in what was happening, but then Mm -hmm. near the end, they get near the end of that sequence, they flip it and uh, they kind of paint Donald and Jose onto the, onto, onto the screen. So it looks a little bit more one for one, uh, the two of them interact in, interacting um, the the projection uh, they would cut back and forth between the projection and uh, the animation pieces and you could definitely tell the quality difference uh, between the two but yeah I mean mm-hmm. uh, even when Disney got started he had the whole Alice in Wonderland um, that's kind of some of the initial things that he was doing and she was in a cartoonish world to some degree and of course everybody knows mary poppins is when it was an entire like all of those major awesome sequences with animation and that but yeah you're right this is like another small taste of it um as he's trying to perfect that um technological advancement yeah you see it just kind of uh pushed along i don't know if this is the best subject matter to try and test that on but nonetheless fighting over women yeah you know it's like i I guess i never would have like well you know women in bikinis on the beach being chased by donald duck like that being a family something something uh, doesn't smell right yeah yeah but hey this is a propaganda film this is trying to get people to love the united states and and not uh, hitler so why not let's just go for it um, the final one is, yeah, really trippy. This is Donald uh, drunk on love, I guess is the best way to um, to say that. And um, is this wonderful kind of images of 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 Mexico at night and different places around. And you get several different Mexican singers. Dora Luce is in there. Uh, and then even um, some different dancing sequences and famous dancers throughout um and then ending with uh a bit of like you get some mexican history in here you understand the significance of the mexican flag like that was what was really odd is like you get these kind of weird trippy sequences and then you get like true history cultural explanation yeah yeah you actually get to learn uh, a bit about uh the culture and and different things there so very very intriguing of course you get the song 
the three caballeros, uh, mostly saying by Panchito and Jose, and then Donald just kind of floating Quacks things along. in there, of course, with the uh, with the original meaning of the word gay, uh, of what it used to, to mean, not uh, its current understanding, um, not to be confused of these three men's relationship to each other. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> we all needed that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas season too, right? So we're we're getting it in a, in a couple of Christmas songs. So we get it. Yeah, uh, I do. So had love, you ever seen any of this before? So funny enough, I had several times when I was younger because really, I'm pretty sure my parents taped this off of cable. When I was really, really young, like maybe even before wow. I was born, because we we evidently had cable before I was born and or early on, then we got rid of it for most of my life. But we had these VHS tapes of all of these random things taped off of TV. So it would have commercials in it and we would have to skip through that. But we had the three cop like a lot of this film, like probably half this film we had probably right up to the point where all three of them come into the scene and then from then on, like we, then it kind of like the tape ran out or it stopped recording or something. So there was a lot of this film that I remembered. I, I was just, I, in my brain, I remembered it being like just a piece of the film that was like after the movie. But there was a lot of this that I remembered from my childhood. The Penguins, um, especially, uh, was one of the big ones that I, I remembered. But the tooth comb guy. That one, I feel like I remembered that the guy who's like playing something with, with his teeth, like, ling, 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 ling. like it's like a banjo, but like playing with his teeth, and it's like a pick or something like that. But funny enough, Eddie, I did. Did you did you watch this as a kid, or do you remember, or is this your first time watching it? I I remember seeing definitely pieces of this here and there. I I can't recall like actually seeing it all together until Disney yeah. Plus actually came out with it. But of course, I mean there's several segments in this that are that are really well known. Like the three caballeros um in particular, you know, they're kind of like stance together and then you have uh the sequences of them flying around on the carpet. You know, I, I've seen that, of course, here, there, and, and everywhere that kind of gets included in, in a lot of different stuff. But uh, overall, no, it's kind of newer to me. Uh, I didn't I didn't grow up with this um, like you've described. The real question is, Eddie, have you watched Legend of the Three Caballeros on Disney Plus? Yeah, this was I've watched. Uh, I think I, I think we watched the first episode. Have you watched it? We've watched a lot of it and we keep watching the same. They keep on restarting it at the beginning of the series oh. and not like watching all of it. It's so trippy and nothing like this movie because it is. Well, one, it has an actual somewhat of a storyline and bad people. It's a plot, uh, but it's like this like um, Greek goddess has like been frozen in time and the the three caballeros get a magic atlas that this other billionaire is trying to get from them and they're going back in time and all over the world to like stop him from trying to like get power it's the weirdest show and my kids love it it's just it's just it's like a world trekking trip of, of a show with like special powers and they somehow always foil him in the end. And then it's the next episode he's trying to do. Like he makes Stonehenge come alive as like walking around things. Um, he goes to all like there's it's weird. It's like mystical and magical. It's just the weirdest thing. Yeah. It's a weird show. I don't know how they got from this movie to that series to that. no idea i i mean i um yeah i'll have to give it another try i watched like the first episode with lewis and it just didn't click it just didn't hold um but that was a while ago so maybe we'll try trippy. this again and see we see what happens um with this yeah sorry I was any other final something i'm oh, sorry i well what i was checking was 
I've been trying to find, so there's a documentary, you're referencing like other things that have been on um, Disney Plus in, in relation to this. And there's apparently a documentary. I have not been able to watch this yet because it's not available on the Disney Plus on my end. So I got to use, you know, the old VPN. And it is, that's what I was just double checking. It is available in the United States. There's a documentary called Walt and El Guapo. That is apparently a documentary film about the making of Saludos Amigos and the Three Caballeros. How I didn't know about this. Which Saludos Amigos starts off with the making of Saludos Amigos. It was a kind of a documentary. But I think this is more of a documentary just kind of like all about Walt Disney's government sponsored trip and kind of what is behind the scenes stuff. So... I'll have to give this a look. It's just kind of a last minute notice of of things here. But yeah, Walt and El Guapo, the untold adventures. Yeah. But I would be interested. I I, I think that's what is so fascinating with this and with, with Saludos Amigos. We referenced it in that episode of just how influential these really were. I mean, it's it's hard. We can be cheeky about it, you know, this side of of history and kind of look back on these different things. But it actually had a significant impact in being kind of a goodwill ambassador, a propaganda. Propaganda is not always bad of saying, you know, like, hey, let's let's remain friends. Let's let's make art together and and be friends and not go to war with each other. You know, these things had these films had uh, a significant impact on it all. And I think it, it highlights well Disney of this era. You know, when we think back on Disney animation, it's real easy for us to think back on these big tentpole moments, the big animated features, Snow White, Dumbo, uh, Pinocchio, moving forward with Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. But it's important to remember, like, no, like Disney became who they were because of shorts and for a big long run there, like, that's all they could do, you know? They couldn't um, put together some of these bigger pieces. And that was used significantly for um, the advancement of, of American causes during World War II, which I think is is fascinating. Is there any representation in the parks for the Three Caballeros? There's a lot. There's a lot. It's really quite surprising. Um, you will find these characters. You can actually meet them in different areas. Uh, often uh, Donald will come out just kind of in more of his his sombrero type outfit. But specifically, uh, the kind of the most intense representation. If you remember a few years ago, they went back into It's a Small World at Disneyland and kind of sprinkled Disney characters in the different areas. Yeah, at Nemo. Uh, in they added the three caballeros in the Mexico section of of uh, It's a Small World there in Disneyland. Uh, so that's its most significant representation at Disneyland. Uh, at Disney World, you have big representation in two resorts. In the All-Star Music Resorts, you've actually got a, a pool, like a three caballeros pool with their statue like in the center of the pool and there's like water coming out of Jose's pistols um like it's like it's a pretty big like centerpiece uh of that particular resort um and similarly so um for Coronado Springs resort there at Disney World um they've got another kind of pool area with a big statue but by far the biggest representation is they have their own ride there is the Three Caballeros ride at the Mexico Pavilion in Epcot. So when the uh, Mexico Pavilion opened uh, with Epcot in 1982, which is by far my favorite pavilion in in Epcot, um, it's beautiful. You like go in through the this pyramid and you go inside this giant show building and you're actually in Mexico, like a little Socolo area at night. It's just beautiful, like volcano in the distance or low lighted restaurant right there at water's edge. And when it opened, they had a, um, a little boat ride called the river of time. 
and it just kind of walked through the history of Mexico that back in 2008. So, I mean, not like recently, but fairly recently, right? Like 2008, we were still in college. That wasn't too long ago. We're talking 15 years ago, maybe 16 years ago. Um, They rethemed that ride to the Three Caballeros. It's now called the Grand Fiesta Tour of the Three Caballeros. So, like, this has had enough of a staying, or at least the idea of the Three Caballeros and the song and everything, that in 2008, they rethemed a ride at Epcot to be based around the uh, the three caballeros so that whole sequence of them like flying on the carpet and seeing different uh areas of mexico minus donald chasing women on the beach that is the idea of this ride like the uh jose and panchito can't find donald and so you're like with him flying around mexico trying to find him very very cute it is uh for us a must ride anytime we are in epcot and uh, so, yeah, like it's actually got pretty significant representation saying it's got its own ride at Walt Disney World. And there are other films that don't even have any representation whatsoever in the parks that we've talked about on on here before. Right. Um, was it Dumbo or ba- no, Bam- Bambi? Is that what we said? Doesn't doesn't yeah, currently Bam- have Bambi any, any- has no significant. Yeah. Because all of the and other ones have a so ride much, or they have a ride or they have a restaurant or that, you know, they've got some strong reference. Even Song of the South up until recently had representation up until recently. in the parks. Well, the, it still does. Um, Splash Mountain in Tokyo. Disneyland is not going anywhere. Which a plug so. for our next episode, which is when we will talk a little bit about Song of the South, because we might have found yes, some some of it online <laughs> that's about the only don't, place you can don't get, say get it, it don't now. say it disney will pull it before we can because you know disney's listening to this they're always listening so, to everything jb it is time for our reaction our rating we uh for those of you uh, uh playing along at home we have our one to five one meaning back in the vault two and eh, interesting three entertaining four classic five essential jb what do you rate the three caballeros gonna break your heart eddie i'm gonna nudge this back back. i'm gonna i'm gonna put put it back in the vault it just it's just so hard for me to get emotionally invested in a tourism video it's just a little too it's a little too and especially when it starts off as a nature it's like a nature tourism video that then becomes just a straight tourism video I had this on a side screen while doing work and was just like occasionally just skipping through stuff because um, I was I was not engaged whatsoever. So I'm sorry. Thank you for your time. It's not a slam the door. It's just like ushering grandma back into her room. It's just like, yeah, that's just we're just it's time to go back to bed. I I would be inclined to to agree with you. I mean, it is sticky at times. But I think it's got a strong enough presence in the parks. And of course, you weigh, I also which you do. Weigh, weighs heavily for you. Weighs heavily for me. But that's a indeed, lot of that's a big evidence. Yeah. And then um, I would also say like it, 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 it is, you know, my Mexico there, you know, that I, I enjoyed it. You're so partial. I'm, I'm going to be gracious and say to it's interesting. I think everybody should watch it once you know and just kind of like oh okay and we wouldn't say that about everything there are definitely some things that you never need to watch so no and that's exactly what we said about bambi i was like yeah bambi can go right back in the vault i no one needs to see this i don't i don't get why this was ever made i, I will make one last comment on this there was definitely some sequences in, more so in this i felt but also in saludos amigos or the little Fantasia vibes, right? Where it's just yep. like, let's just triply animate to music. And I'm like, okay, guys, I think we've done that. Let's move on. Let's uh, let's tell some stories now. 
So a back in the vault for JB uh, and interesting for me for the three caballeros. Well, now that we've finished that and we've filled you up on nostalgia, now it's time for a bit of new Disney news. And Eddie, just a bit. You went and we both saw Wish this weekend or this this past week opening weekend, which we is not a norm anymore. We don't always go see the newest Disney films that come out because, frankly, a lot of them suck. How was it? How was it for you taking the whole family? Did you get to see a English? This was our question as a family: was was it an English version with, with Spanish subtitles or a Spanish version with English subtitles? Ah, great question. Um, so typically, any kids' movies are presented here uh, dubbed. So you know everything would be just like it was fully in Spanish. But every once in a while, they will put out a few showings in English. And I had been watching for like two weeks to see, are they going to do an English one in this? Are they, are they? And I was tracking, I was tracking. And they did not put it out there until like Wednesday night. I did not know. And the only showing like that was, it was like five o'clock in the evening in English happened to be at our closest movie theater. I was thinking like, oh no, we're going to have to drive into the city or something crazy like that. Uh, But no, it was like our closest movie theater. So it's perfect for us. They knew it. They knew it. Um, So we attempted the crazy. This was like a huge gamble. We took everybody uh, from our two-year-old and our three-year-old. Uh, who had never been to the movies before, and we had no idea how they were going to react to this. So we came armed with sweet treats and goodies, just in oh, case, yeah, you, you know. But they they uh, thoroughly enjoyed the movie-going experience. Um, our youngest, who's two, often, I mean, he comes and he goes, I watch TV, I watch TV. And at the theater, he goes, I watch big TV. I watch big TV. That's amazing. So that is uh, our our one of our favorite lines um, from from going to it all. Um, so yeah, we we saw it all. Sent you a picture. When did you guys get to go see it? Uh, so we went on Saturday. Okay. Took 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 both my son and my daughter at the same time. This is our first co co movie to see together, but. Anyways, did you do we want to actually review this film to some degree or give people a taste or at least our reactions to it? I I was planning on it. I was I was I was gearing up for it. I I will start by saying my kids enjoyed it. Like my uh, they they were thoroughly hooked and enjoyed it all. I think Asa made it until about like the last 10 minutes. You know, yeah. and then I was just kind of starting to get a little a little restless. Luckily, we were the only people in the theater. So we just we didn't care. We just kind of but our kids thoroughly enjoyed it. And and I will also say, like, for the most part, I enjoyed it as well. Like, I thought, like, OK, this is this is a decent movie. I think the my overarching reaction has just been kind of like, yeah, I'm I'm not blown away by this at all. I know there's been a lot of like vehement reaction like against it. And I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm ready to be like, this is the worst Disney movie ever made. No, 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 no. Um, it was just very mediocre, I would say. It had some entertaining moments. Definitely had its its weak parts. Uh, honestly, here's the best way that I think I can summarize this. I feel like they fed a few key Disney prompts into chat GTP and AI and AI wrote this this script because there's just moments where you're like, okay, I see what you're doing. Like you're hitting these certain beats. Oh, we've got these cute little allusions to nods to Disney movies of the past. Okay. That's cute. But like, I never cared about these characters at all. Um, the stakes weren't real. The motivations were non-existent for for any of them, especially for the for the villain. The songs just felt like some, hey, we want uh, you know the family Madrigal, but in this version, and you know we want uh, you know this you know it, it just it was definite allusions to like. 
other Disney songs that had been a hit, like, hey, we want a, you know, you're welcome kind of style song here. And, you know, we want, and it just, does that make sense? That's why I kind of like go back and I'm like, did they just feed this through AI? Like, was this the first AI generated (laughs) script? It definitely, it felt like it was trying to be, because they made this for the Disney 100. Like, that's why they didn't even contemplate pushing this out of this year, even with the strike, because that's what it was for. And even put it, having um, Jennifer Lee, uh, who runs Disney Animation Creative, right? She's the creative director of, of Disney Animation. Chief creative officer. Chief creative yeah. officer. Um, she did Frozen, um, obviously. And uh, putting her behind this project, I think, was a, was a big decision for uh, in the importance of it. But there was the you're right, the story itself was not that compelling to me. Even the setup for it of just like the wishing star, but they voluntarily give up their wishes felt a little odd and unrealistic yeah. to me, um, just from the motivation that you kind of talked about. And he's doing it to to um protect people's wishes because something happened with the torn the the torn fabric Tapestry. that's in his office but we don't ever get the full do we ever did we ever get the yeah. full story no. of what happened no no so that that could have added more dimension and it didn't the the homages you're right like they felt like we're just throwing these in there like she's at a well when something happens and they make her the fairy godmother at the end which felt so weird and unnerving. So like, why did weird. we do this? That's not her yeah. dream or whatever. But by far the lowest moment of this film is what do all of us have in common? And these are yes. animals talking to them and they're looking at her like you're an idiot because you don't understand what we all have in common. And she's like, what? What do we all have in common? And I'm as an audience member going, what do they all have in common? I obviously don't know either. And they're like, you're we're all stars and i was like oh dear god what is happening right now and that's when it brought me back to some of the worst moments of frozen 2 where she is her own answer to the voice she's calling herself into the throat like and then i was like oh wait this is jennifer lee same director writer this is the same like we're all stars in this like it's that same general like aloof message that is still hard to pin down like what are we what are we actually saying here this is doesn't seem quite right like no like concrete thing of like love bravery courage like friendship like reconcile no it's you're a star doesn't just doesn't so that's where it feels like it just fell flat yes my kids enjoyed it because it's a disney movie and it's on the big screen and it's got music but even the music, I can't remember a single song from that, except for the song that's been in all the trailers and stuff like that. That's the only one that I can remember from it. I can remember the songs because my kids want to listen to it. We are. No, Eddie, and just say no. I, and I know that the songs just don't hold up because like, I mean, when Encanto came out, like we listened to Encanto nonstop, right? It was great. And it. It took me a long time to get sick and tired of of Encanto songs. Like, a couple of months, to be honest with you. This, like, we're two, three days in to listen to this, and I'm just like, no, I can't do this anymore. I mean, there's a couple. I I do want to, like, I don't want to cast this, like, too strong. Knowing what I know now, the Knowing What I Know Now song, kind of the ensemble where they all decide to, like, work together. I think that has some really beautiful melodies and and really cool moments in that. I don't think that's as as bad. Um, the at all cost song. Sarah and I have talked at length about this song because it's actually like a hauntingly beautiful lullaby. Uh, but when it's place in the movie, like them like holding on to these wish orb things and. It gets really creepy. It's just like, I don't get that. You know, I don't understand this like narratively. But if you just pull that song out on its own and you listen to it, it's actually quite 
beautiful. Like it's actually quite. Yeah, I mean, Chris Pine's got a uh, an amazing voice. Of course, Ar- Ariana Debose has an incredible voice, and the, all of the songs kind of have those moments where you you can just enjoy their artistry. But overall, like the songs are just they're they're not good Disney songs. They're like bubblegum pop at times, you know. And they got like a pop star to write all of these songs, so it I guess that kind of makes sense in all of this. There's also like I'm just really tired of you know you you listen back to some of the um, Howard uh, Ashman songs and the lyrics are just incredible. The way that he can do you know narrative storytelling with just such articulate lyrics. You know, you go back to like Bonjour um, from the opening of Beauty and the Beast, and it's just incredible where he sets the stage. We get so much exposition, but you don't realize you're getting exposition. And then we get something like Welcome to Roses, which is like trudging through the exposition. And the we're not even trying to be creative in our lyrical selection. We're just like, you know, like, let's just cram in it. You know, like this is now this style, like Lin-Manuel Miranda has done it a lot. And like, oh, yeah. he can do it. He can do it well. But at the same time, like it's definitely gets overused. And then it gets it was overused a and done There's a Kmart poorly. version of <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, it's the Kmart version. Or it's just kind of like, you're not rhyming or or really putting any melody to this. There's just like this quick speak with music in the background. And we just cram in a whole bunch of words and it, you know, it fills in this exposition. And and for me, like, that's just like, ugh, I don't want to like listen to that. That's just, does that make sense or am I just rambling? Yes, no, I agree with you, although you are definitely more attuned to the musical melody, all of those kinds of things more than I am. The thing that they did differently or tried to do differently than all of their more recent films is trying to make this 2D style yeah. illust- like animation work. And from the first time I saw the first trailer through actually watching the film, I still don't get why people like the look of it. It felt cheap. To me the whole time it just felt blah like almost like a christian animated film was being made i'm sorry it just that's what it felt like to me oh i think yeah uh, uh, i'm not going to go back and listen but we at one time reacted to the the trailer, the trailer and i think when the first yeah when the trailer first came out everything i was kind of excited i was like okay this is something new I was kind of getting a little tired of uh, a bit of the more kind of plasticky 3D animation look. So I'm like, okay, we're trying something different. And I was excited. And I mean, there are some sequences in this that I... I Like? I can't think of any. I can't think of any that I was like, oh, that was really cool. Or that was really beautiful. Like, Yeah. For me, I guess what just kept throwing me... I I liked the end sequence. Like the, the final... The act three of this movie was by far the most entertaining for me. You know, the sequence where they're actually like trying to defeat Magnifico, like, okay, I, that was that was entertaining. And I thought that had some cool visual aspects to it. Uh, but overall, yeah, it just felt weird. I think the way you described it was well. And, and tell me if I'm wrong, like, am, were my eyes like playing tricks with me? It felt like, like the, almost like the frame rate was off. Like there was like these weird like skips in the animation. Does that make sense? Like it didn't feel fluid yeah. because of this art style. Yep. There's times when it would be like very abrupt in some in some of the movements and stuff. Do you think they saw Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse or Puss in Boots and, and saw like what need to do something three, different? We yeah, because I mean both of those have begun to really lean into the stylized 3D animation. I wonder if they just felt influenced, like, okay, we got to do this. Or, I think, hey, let's make it feel storybook. This is our 100, you know, celebration. Yeah, I think it was more of that. Like, they're like, this is the 100 celebration. Let's do an ode back to all of the other hand-drawn uh, animation styles and try to make it still 3D, but in that kind of world. Again, it just speaks to they were trying to do way too many things with this and didn't spend enough time with the core story story and really making that come characters <laughs> yeah everything that we complain about it this is the movie for that and that's what and people knew it and didn't show up at the box box office because it only made 
uh, $19 million in the, the, the normal three day Friday, Saturday, Sunday window. It did make close to about 31 counting the Thanksgiving day and and black Full Friday, but trolls the previous weekend made 30 million in just the three days it was out there. And frankly, even though my kids enjoyed this film, I took my daughter to see the trolls movie because she really wanted to see it. She was glued from the moment all the way through the end. Did not like it's the most focus I've ever seen her in my life. This movie she enjoyed, but she was still occasionally like getting up and kind of looking around and um, kind of like like in and out of the of the film. She th- compared to Trolls and Trolls, I had a lot more emotional, even though it's a silly movie. Like I was a lot more emotionally. Uh, engaged with that film than I was with this film, but yeah, 19 million. I mean, it's no 12 million like uh, like their film last year around this time made. But man, that's yeah. that's bad. I, I wonder it, in some ways is Disney. Uh, well, and I actually just before we got on here sent you an article from Variety about this. Of just in many ways, uh, Disney is the uh, is the subject of like their own demise, like. We have we have come to expect such high standards that it's almost yeah. like now like it's it's almost impossible for Disney to hit that. And they definitely have not been trying to hit that. You know, like they've they've put in some, you know, in, in all of their categories, some films that just like, I'm sorry, you know, like uh turning red is not a, a typical Pixar one that you you look for. Like the Marvels, not a you know a Marvel movie. You know, like you just keep hitting all of these different things. Where you're going, you're you 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 did so good for so long that you've trained your fans to expect something, and then yeah. you don't deliver it on it. I mean, sure, it's partly us as the fans. We've got too high of expectations. It's it's just a movie. Like at the end of the day, I would do it all over again. I loved going with my whole family like it was a beautiful like into the thanksgiving um day for us like it was just we had fun as a family but i think no matter what movie you put up there we would have had fun uh i wish it was a you know a more compelling like you know i i went away going man i i i wish they'd put like encanto back in the in the theaters i i never got to see encanto in the theaters like that would have been that would have been really great or interesting but Maybe Frozen 3 will be that or, or the newly announced Frozen 4 that uh, Iger announced while he opened the brand new uh, Frozen, the world of Frozen out at Hong Kong Disneyland, which looks amazing. I don't know if you've seen videos of this place like, oh, yeah, whoa, like may have to buy some plane tickets to Hong Kong to see that type of, of level like incredible. But Two more Frozen films. I mean, it's inevitable. It was I inevitable. Enjo- we were going. I to enjoyed get Frozen this. Two. I, 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 I more like the music in Frozen Two, especially. But uh, I really enjoyed Frozen Two. I don't know. And we're getting a Toy Story Five. It just feels like are they going to learn their lesson? Tim Allen. Like, Tim Allen's Toy Story Five. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> he, he had a, he had an idea for them, and now they're listening. Yeah. So it's all interesting. I'm I'm still rooting for him. I uh, I'm hopeful. That's why we do this podcast because we're still rooting for Disney. That's why we do this, Ben. Because we are we are rooting. We are rooting for it, and we'll see. uh, We'll see what happens. Well, before we go, JB, I hope you and your family have a good week. Maybe watch some more troll movies just to lighten things up a bit. I hope so too. Yep. It was a very interesting week because like I said, took my daughter to see Trolls movie. That was on Wednesday. We'd just gotten back from a uh, trip to Texas. And so we waited till after that trip to kind of go see the Trolls movie. But then realizing, wait, content for this podcast, I probably need to go see the Wish movie too. So that's when I reached out like, hey, Eddie, are you actually going to go see it? Maybe slightly hoping you were going to wait a week. And then we were like, we're here at the theater. I was like, oh, I need to go see this now. And my daughter also kind of wanted to watch that as well. And last minute as we're about to leave, I'm like, hey, buddy, my son, do you, you want to go? Want to go see Wish? And he was like, sure. I was like, okay. Two kids at one theater. We'll see how it goes. And 
it was honestly pretty it was honestly pretty good um the best the best hack though that, I, that I've, I've i've figured out now is so we buy the um annual bucket the popcorn bucket where it's like five dollars five fifty or something like that for every time you go and it's a massive bucket so with my son uh or my daughter for that matter we would just get it and then we would they would uh, they i'd be like hey can i get something to put some of it in that so we're not having to share the bucket together something they can hold and they gave uh they keep on giving us this little tiny sleeve of paper to fit in a little bit of popcorn and it's annoying so i was like i got both of them this is i'm not want to do this so i went and i was trying to figure out what can i use for this and i was going to get like the gallon bags like ziploc bags and then my wife was like why don't you just use the thanks the Halloween buckets, like the the plastic Halloween buckets, which are kind of similar yeah. size. So we go, I'm like, well, maybe let's try it out. So I grab them and we go and instantly I'm like, this is a great, just because they can hold them themselves, like with the little straps and right. stuff. And so then we go up, I pay for it. And the guy, and the guy's like a teenager or something. And he just looks at me and he's like, Hey man, do you want me to go ahead and give you a refill now and fill up your kids' buckets? And I was just like, yes. yes. So he literally filled mine up, which I paid for. Then we got our free refill and he literally took the buckets and filled up both of them. And I was like, this is the best customer service I've Thank ever you. gotten. Thank you. How yes. is this even possible? And because it was you have then. the annual bucket. You have the annual bucket. They know you're here a lot. This is like... They're getting your money and yep. they're going to get more of it because they were really cool about it. Oh, yeah. And now I'm telling everybody about like, hey, I actually got code customer service from an AMC with teenagers running behind it. I don't know. This kid's parents are a gem. Thank you for making for raising this child, whatever. But yeah, so that was our Man, first time going to the theater I'm, with two kids. So. Now I'm craving theater popcorn. I love theater bit. popcorn. Just so good. So good. Well, with that, you've got a weekly dose of Disney nostalgia. Be sure to subscribe to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast wherever you listen to your other favorite podcast, and give us a look on YouTube as well. While you're there, please like or leave a five-star review and share it with your best friend. You can also check us out at honeywemade.com where you can see all our nostalgic reviews of Disney movies. Tune in next week as we pirate a copy of and try to review a little bit of Song of the South. Thank you for listening. And remember, a new day's waiting to start. You must see it, wake up, and greet it. <laughs>